Hey, future listeners, this is Past Wiggles coming to you in your present, but I am still talking to you in the future from when we recorded this episode. Don't think about it too much. The point is, I'm here to let you know that I was having some complications with my mic during the recording of this episode. I've done my best to provide you with a good, clean episode, but there are some not so great moments. So I do apologize, and I promise we'll do better in the future. All right, enjoy. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Looking for Love and All the Wrong Dust Jackets, a podcast where three cool chicks from back in the day come to talk to you about romance, whether that's books, movies, TV shows, who knows? I'm Liz. I'm Danny. I'm Wiggles. And welcome to the show. Okay, and today we're going to be talking about Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey. Um, But before we get into the book, you know the drill. We got to talk about how we are a sweary bunch of bitches. Um, So if that bothers you, now you know. (laughs) Liz says, now you know, and Wiggles says, fuck off. Well, that that sums up our thoughts on the matter. (laughs) Um, Also, before we get into the book, though, let's talk about what you guys have been doing in life. What you've been reading. What have you been watching? What have you been, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I've been watching The Good Fight. It's on Paramount+. Plus. It's a lawyery show. And one of the main people, um, her parents were caught doing a Ponzi scheme. It's really good. (laughs) All right. I've never heard of it. It's really good. (laughs) I have read Book Lovers by Emily Henry, and I know I'm very late to the party. This one's been out there for a while. Everybody's been reading it. They were right. It's really good. It's really good. (laughs) Oh, good to know. So let's talk about this book. When we enter into this book, we are introduced to our character, Hallie, not Haley, I made that mistake. And she is taking over her grandmother's gardening shop and trying to maintain her legacy in one of the Napa Valley wine towns. She has been obsessing over her high school almost romantic situation. And it just so happens that wouldn't you know it, Mr. Almost Kiss comes back into town. And he is actively working on writing his book, which is not very good, apparently, because he needs to get away to work on it. So her best friend tries to finagle a situation in which the two of them can cross paths while Hallie figures out if that spark can be rekindled again, all while she's gardening away in their vineyard's garden. From there, like any rom-com, chaos ensues as we have romantic letters, anal retentive schedules, working on our hands and knees in the dirt and having people stare at your backside, and of course, dirty knees. Anyway, as things progress, uh, we end up with a story that is complicated yet fun and that's all I'm going to tell you before we dive into this book. So I introduce you to Secretly Yours. All right so Secretly Yours is written by Tessa Bailey. Tessa Bailey is pretty well known New York Times bestselling author, blotty 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 blotty. She's been writing or at least she's been published for about 10 years at least according to her TikTok. Which is another fun fact about her is she's pretty popular on the social media. So you can go on her TikTok or Instagram and get a whole slew of information. I think she's pretty funny on there. I think one of her most popular books is It Happened One Summer, which is actually being turned into a movie, though it has no like release date or I don't even think any cast has been released yet about that. So Tessa Bailey, you guys, that's who we're talking about today. Oh, the other thing about Tessa Bailey. So I thought that she pretty much just wrote like contemporary romance fiction but she has a series about contemporary vampires and i want to reach it read it i do love me a vampire so we got two people right i mean it's a romance there's always two people sometimes there's more and those are fun but this one's just two (laughs) (laughs) so hallie not Haley, which makes sense because her name is spelled with two l's 
but my brain did not recognize the second L. Okay, the only reason why I know it's Hallie is because I listened to it on audiobook. Well, no, and I'm glad you did because I her name is straight up spelled with two L's, but mm-hmm. I just, my brain didn't give a shit. Hallie is our, I don't know, the typical like crazy, chaotic, like all over the place person um in our in our relationship here um i do like her introduction which is her just full of tiny little bits of rage and taking it out on the rival wine shop i will say liz of all the characters that we've read so far this one has the most similar energy to yours what like you would absolutely enact small acts of rage i I could see you sticking yes. the piece of wood in the in the disco ball. Okay, here's... <laughs> yes. However, I would not do it like her. What, just walk up and be like, meh, stab something? No, you got a plan. You have to have a proper dismount. True. I will hey, be honest I'm in just, my... I'm just saying, she would be if Liz and I were mixed. Although I will say I would have never gone as far as to steal the cheese. Oh, I 100% would have. I wouldn't run in and make a scene of grabbing the cheese, but you bet your ass... I could see myself stealing cheese. All I could think throughout the entire scene was, what a waste of fucking cheese. You're dropping it all over the ground. I thought the same thing too. Oh my God. So in the middle of the book, she goes to this, oh my God, we're we're not even telling you what the fuck's happening anymore. Yeah, it's fine. I hope you read this book. So she wants revenge against the rival wine shop, which by the way, they're dicks. Oh, for sure. Um, because they they opened a wine shop next to this little old lady's wine shop. The little old lady's wine shop is called Corked, which is adorable. And she opened it with her husband years and years in the fifties, I think it said. Uh, that sounds believable. Sure, yeah. go with it. And then this this like younger couple now decided to move in to the shop next door, name it Uncorked, and they're just doing crazy bullshit stuff that really has nothing to do with wine let's be honest no it was like if you took a party bar and made it about wine right yeah i'm sorry but what kind of fucking hangovers are the people who go to that bar having the next day oh god i I would hate it so much as soon as they said the words disco ball i was out yeah no i was like no thank you well and it's not even so much about what their business was like it's that they moved in next door named it uncorked yeah. When an established build business was next door named Corked. And they just constantly throw shade at her, too. Like, they're just dicks to be dicks. And it's like, well, why Why would you... I don't understand how you would just do that to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, if you move next door to have a wine shop, fine, whatever. But, like, they're constantly throwing shade at this, like, old lady who did nothing to them. Right. But it's also in the Napa Valley area. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember the actual name of the town is. But I don't know. I just don't think of like disco balls and woo girls when I think of Napa. But granted, I've never been. So maybe it is. Well, and this is a fairly small town, too, that is like held up by vineyards. Right. Which was very put under for a while because of a fire that happened. But that's pretty typical, though, if you think of tourist towns, you know, they're quote unquote big but that's just because of people coming and going the actual townies Mm -hmm. are small well and one of the things that this establishes for me is that either the author was really trying to send home that hallie is chaos incarnate or like the motivations for what she chooses to do are just very loose she's doing this in the name of her grandmother who passed and in many ways her grandmother served as a parent and so because her grandmother had this reserved table um, at court, uh, it sort of has become the symbol for keeping her grandmother's memory. And it's kind of a loose uh, justification for Hallie's behavior, but it's an even more hard to understand motivation for Julian. Like, I get that he's doing it for Hallie, but it's just like, this is what it all boils down to, the stable. And her behavior very much is a cry for help. Oh, it's exactly that. Um, But I guess I had a different reaction to it because I understood going from entirely ungrounded because her mom just kind of like shuffled her around the world, or at least around the U.S. as she was growing up. But even then, she still had her mom. To being grounded when she lived with her grandmother throughout high school and up until this story, which is 
15 years later to now having nothing like the chaos or the like fear and just overwhelming terror that comes from not having a direction I can see how it would be easy to grasp onto something even if it is a vendetta yeah and I can I can see that too I can also understand so she explains later on to Julian that like Whenever her mom found a new boyfriend they in a new location or anything, she not only, um, we've, all, we've all had friends like this, um, not only completely reinvents herself, but she also reinvented her child. Yeah. Like, all, she got all new clothes, she, she was supposed to have a whole new personality and everything, so then when she moved in with her grandmother, she was grounded, and she still couldn't, like, settle on who she truly is, and now her grandma's not even there, so she can't, she has nothing to grasp onto on, she needs to figure out who she truly is as a person, and that's why she can't ever settle on which necklace to wear or anything, and why her house is apparently a complete and utter disaster. Not that I have that problem. I mean, <laughs> shut up. What? I didn't tell my friends that I didn't have the spoons to deal with it last week. Um, but yeah, like, so she just, she... She's kind of lost in, she doesn't know what, to, she doesn't know who she is without her grandmother there, without somebody there, and she's having trouble figuring out what it is and what to land on. Right. And so she kind of just, she's frustrating her clients because she just kind of shows up willy-nilly whenever she wants to, which is not a way to run a business. No. I mean, she does amazing work, and so that's why she kind of gets away with it for the time being. Also, it's a small town, and I'm pretty sure all of them kind of understood that she was floundering a little bit, but still. Um, I'm reading back through my notes, and I'm starting to remember how much I said that this book makes me feel called out because of her. You'd think it would be Julian knowing me like, oh, an anal retentive like person who has to live by a schedule. Nay, nay. It's the chaos, chaos demon that calls to me. <laughs> I know. I mean, Liz does pull us into to shenanigans. Particularly the scene where she convinces him to do a prank call. Yeah. Like, God damn it, Liz. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. I said the same thing. Really? Like, yeah. Shit. <laughs> Driving to vacation and she did it and I was like, eh. Liz. God damn it, Liz. <laughs> Would I dare somebody to do a prank call and then continue to prod them by saying, nah, you can't really do it? A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. One thousand percent. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Get past that. Well, okay. I think we can come back to Hallie in a minute. What do you guys think about Julian? Liz, you wanted trauma with Ever After. He has trauma. I, uh, I don't, mm, I don't know if I like him. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know. Just like he's too much. Like. I'm off and on. I, I like his intensity at times because there's a little bit of wall sex energy in this. Just a smidgen. Um, but his anal retentiveness drives me up a wall. See, that didn't really bother me because I felt like that was a fine character flaw for him to have. No, it is. I just, I feel like as a person, if he was around me, I would want to strangle him. And I am a person who needs to be on time. I guess, um, I I, I don't think it would have bothered me. Um, I just know that I would inevitably annoy the shit out of that person. Can confirm. Can confirm. My issue with him was how quick he was to be in the obsession stage with her. Like, he immediately has this phrase that he says where he's like, I need to make it my life's mission to make her smile. And it's like, okay, buddy, listen, you've known her for what? 30 minutes? Calm down. Calm down. Okay, my, okay. I do want to put in, this book happens over months. But not the beginning of the book. Early on, he's just obsessed with her very quickly. And it's very, like, condensed. It's in, like, a couple of days, um, weeks at best. And then it spreads out. But he then just goes into, after knowing her for a hot minute, to just constantly whacking the monkey to the idea of her and her 
dirty knees. (laughs) (laughs) He does do that a lot. Goddamn them dirty knees. (laughs) I, I get that though a lot more like, that's why I'm kind of iffy on Julianne because I really understand like that character. I understand his ability to get obsessed with things. Um, because that's what it is, like his obsession with the just time and agendas and then like his accomplishments and now um, this person who comes in and just kind of throws a wrench into all of it. Uh-huh. I struggle because this happens in a lot of romance books with the idea of having like my shit together, like having my life planned out and my schedules and my daily like this is what I do every day and somebody shows up and they're like I'm chaos I fuck with shit and being like ooh that's hot because somebody did that to me I'm like you got one more second before I murder you actually and weirdly enough same um yours has a little bit more to do with you're an actually organized person and everything mine has more to do with the fact that I have ADHD and when I get a like this is what I'm gonna do in my Mm -hmm. head and somebody's like gets in the way of that, I get irrationally angry. I try to hold it in because I don't like that side of me all that much, but it happens. And like now I'm aware of what that was doing. But like when I was in high school and stuff and like I had a thing that I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen today. Mm -hmm. And then somebody would throw a fit and like put, you know, not even, it was usually pretty innocent. It was like, Hey, come help me with this. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm pissed. Like, super pissed and i didn't understand it now i do but like oh god oh it kills me yeah so that what danny just explained is why i don't understand his reaction to being like i want to tap that yeah i i have problem with that too because i'm like that would piss me off i'd be like what the fuck is her problem get out of my face right but but i love her as a person (laughs) yeah but also i can understand like him being like wait a minute my friend Gavin, Gavin, I believe is his name, just had a big, you know, mental breakdown because of the amount of stress and work he's putting on himself. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is a, a quote unquote sign or whatever the fuck you want to call it that I need to chill out a bit. I actually didn't like reading that part specifically as somebody who's recently left education because <sighs> you talk to just about anyone in education right now, and if you are able to get an honest answer for them on the question of, are you okay? The answer is no. Um, whether it's in higher education, all the way through to kindergarten, everybody is just holding on by a thread. So when he his reaction is something like, I have the same workload as my friend who just had a mental breakdown, um, I'm not surprised that someone like Hallie can come in and disrupt his life. And it's even as organized and, you know, everything belongs in its place as he is she is a welcome distraction <laughs> Ooh, it's a pretty distraction that bitch has dirty knees <laughs> i know the dirty knees a was a little weird thing. Like... it did something for me though for some reason oh for me i was just like no dirt you ew when you started talking dirty talk about the dirty knees that's when i was done no, see, and I was fine with it. The one, I was listening to this, in my car, driving to a family vacation. Yeah, that gets you in the mood for family. <sighs> it's fine. I needed to listen to it before we recorded. And so I'm driving down the road, and I'm really good with, like, my GPS and everything. I missed multiple turns because of this book. Oh, my. That's, like, the that would be a glowing review. If I was an author and somebody said, I fucked up my exits on the interstate because I was listening to you. I'd be like, good. Yep. Good. Um, and there was distinctly the one moment. So they're picking, um, picking the grapes in the, in the field after Mm -hmm. like the destemmer or something broke down. I don't know anything about mechanics or anything. And then he like leans over and he says something to her about, I want to imagine my wine on your tongue. And for some reason I like literally slammed my hand (laughs) up into the ceiling of the car and went, sir. As the audiobook listener on this one, was Audiobook Daddy the voice for this one? No, it was all one off, one reader. <gasps> for both male and female? Yes. Bummer. Oh, that's a bit of a bummer. But it's still, it like, I literally, <laughs> sir, <laughs> with a hand on the ceiling, and then I was like, damn it, I missed a turn. <laughs> 
And it was all like within the hour that I was supposed to get there when it started getting mm. spicy. <laughs> God damn it. I had to stop and then wait for the days that I was at my family vacation and then listen to the rest of it on the way home. Because it's about an eight and a half hour audiobook. Yeah, that's actually pretty close. And it's about a four and a half hour drive where I was going. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. But yeah, I missed multiple turns on my way there. <laughs> my goodness. Um, so what did you guys think of Hey Hallie's? Ha ha ha, I got it. <laughs> the uh, only reason we know this is because I listened to it via audiobook. Like, yes. What did you think of her crush? Like her high school crush turned reality situation? I got it. I was a little disappointed for her that she was still burning that torch. I think we all have someone that is in the back of our brains, even if you didn't really want anything to happen with that person, that in your head, it's a fun little fantasy to go back to. But I think for her, it was more than that in an unhealthy way. And it kind of reminded me of the conversation that we were having with um, the love I hypothesis love on the brain you were very close (laughs) one of the mally hazelwoods (laughs) but we were talking about how it was not healthy for him to hold on to this obsession and i don't think it's healthy for her either and you can kind of see it in the fact that she's still single and seemingly not for lack of interest on the part of others but because of her own lack of interest well that actually comes up right yeah, so the one gardener is like, owen. obsessed with owen yes yeah. thank you i couldn't remember his name that first scene when he showed up and they were at the uh, greenhouse or wherever mm-hmm. nursery wherever they were um i had a moment where i was like do we want, can the book switch to Owen? Because like that first interaction, I was like, that's pretty fun. Yeah, it was, it was really yeah. cute. And they're joking, you know. Um, but I totally understand Hallie, like using, especially because she and Julian didn't have a relationship in high school. They just had an almost kiss. Mm-hmm. So I can totally understand the fact that she's really using that memory as a shield to not commit or like, allow herself to be interested in anybody else like it's not even really about him it's just about like another way to put up a wall around like herself i will say i do like that they pointed out that like it was a crush then and now she loves the man that he actually is not the crush that she made up in her brain because she didn't like she knew stuff about him that not very many people did um because small town and people talk but like she didn't know him like they almost kissed in an orchard when she was like 14 really not much different than how someone who's obsessed with a celebrity acts Oh, yeah, no. Especially the way, like, she talks about she would look him up on, like, YouTube and watch, like, his lectures and stuff. That's exactly, yeah. like, a, yeah. Yeah, that's not healthy. And I didn't love that she was a virgin. I don't like the virgin trope. Like, I don't, either. I don't like it at all. I don't really like the virgin trope either. It didn't bother me as much in this one because it wasn't made into being such a big deal. Like, he even has a comment where he says, like, he notices that she can take care of herself, yada, yada, yada. But there are a lot of late bloomers out there. And so I like that they were telling that story, not with judgment or condescension. And I think it's kind of important to include people like that in romance because there are a lot of people who have anxiety about when they lose their virginity, how they lose their virginity, with whom they lose their virginity, and... I think that making it something that is just common for some people to get well into adulthood, still being virgins, um, is a good thing. Oh, for sure. You know, now that you put it that way, I can see this book in honestly a very different light. Because usually when I see virgin, I'm just like, ugh, great, another fucking one of these books. Like, oh my god, she's a virgin. But this one, you're right. It was more of just like a natural reality that some people, like you said, have sex later in life for the first time and we should acknowledge that well and you could also make the argument because she was shuffled around the country for Mm -hmm. so much like she didn't really have much of a childhood so she maybe didn't even think about that kind of thing until later on because she was trying to become herself even though she really never figured it out well even if you like because she got settled with her grandmother when she was in high school which is a common time to lose your virginity Mm -hmm. not necessarily that it happens then for a lot of people 
Um, but a lot of people it does. But to your point, if she hadn't really ever made friends up until then, high school would be the awkwardest fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out how to interact with other humans, let alone how to fucking get your virginity all gone. Well, <laughs> I was like, my... you were about to say taken, and then I went, ew, I hate no, it. No, <laughs> I was going to say get your rocks off, and then I was like, oh, but you're talking about the first time, and that's not an appropriate saying for that. And then I just tripped over my words until we got where we got. <laughs> Well, and I will say, as somebody who was a late bloomer, it's not as simple or complicated as people make it out to be. It's simple in that it's just you're not actively doing it, but it's not as complicated as you being too picky or, uh, you know, you're not knowing what you're doing, yada, yada, yada. It really comes down to it just spitballs, right? Because you start out not doing it when the majority of your peers do. And then it becomes more taboo with each year that passes. And then it sort of turns into this thing where you don't want to be with somebody who's not going to be considerate and kind with you. But at the same time, we shame people for not having had sex by a certain point. And eventually it just becomes this thing that's hanging over your head. And you start to wonder, should I just go get this taken care of? Like, it's a fucking dentist appointment. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the virgin shaming thing, like, for for late bloomers, I fucking hate that. Like, let them do them. Well, we just need to get over, like, now we're going to go down to, down this path for a hot second, but we just need to get over the whole virginity thing to begin with. Yeah. Because it's all a bunch of fucking bullshit set down by, like, by the church and the patriarchy to control people and shame them. So... Get it out of here. It's nobody's goddamn business. Right. Ugh, we should move on before I spend the next two hours talking about this. Because I got things to say, but that's not this podcast. (laughs) Are we starting another one? Maybe. What are we calling that podcast? Is it the Patriarchy Can Fuck Off podcast? Yeah, that's the one where we can say, welcome to the podcast, go suck my dick. (laughs) Can I start that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me and my angsty little bitch. All right, let's get back on track. All right. What did you guys think of the letters? I hated them. Well, okay, hate is a strong word. I just didn't like them. I just wanted them to either be more significant or less significant. I'm right there with you. That was my problem with them is, A, they came way too late in the book. I was like, we're already at like almost the midpoint by the time they show up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this can't be a, a plot point. <laughs> at least not as big of a one. It just felt like an add-on plot point. Yeah. Well, and they either needed to have more of them or Mm -hmm. him to find out after, like, number two. Yeah, it either needed to be a bigger thing or it needed to be, like, one or two letters that initiated the the romance. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're doing Wiggles Rewrite Corner... It's my favorite corner. This is the moment that I would change because I really wanted him to figure out it was her early on and then because he knows it's her, respond back, and it's sexy. Oh, damn. Then she could have been like, oh, my God, these letters are so sexy, but he's in love with this bitch, not me, and it would have been crazy. That's all I'm saying. Which there was a little bit of that. She had that moment of like, oh, but he's responding to that person, but there wasn't the sexy. It wasn't the sexy. And in fact, the letter that he responded to her with, he wrote with his sister. It wasn't even romantic. It was a very nice letter. Yeah. But like, really, I I was a little confused why she got so upset because like, after she read the letter he wrote back, or at least we read it in the book, I was like, it's a really nice, open and honest letter, but it is not like giving me romance or sexy vibes at all. So I would just... It's just more introspective than I thought she than I thought, than I think she thought he was going to go. Oh, sure. And so she was, I think, going for the thought that she, he was talking to said person, which is her, but he doesn't know that in a way that he hasn't talked to her. So I think that's why she gets upset. But yeah, I agree. Like, it wasn't sexy or anything. Like, it was, it was a very nice letter. I wanted to I wanted the letters to get spicy what I really wanted was for her to start responding because she can't help it because she's like oh these are so sexy and then like she keeps responding and he keeps responding and we get like a new sexy letter every chapter 
That would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. It did give me love on the brain vibes, though, when they were texting back and forth in that one. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Twittering. Like yeah. yeah. DMing uh, back and forth. Well, I really almost think that she lost an opportunity here. Because how many times do we just get tired of hearing the inner thoughts of the characters and you can instead put all the sexy thoughts that he has about Haley in a fucking letter. Yeah, I was also very surprised that that was the letter after knowing that Natalie helped him write it mm-hmm. because, and we haven't talked about her, about her at all and I love her, which makes oh, me want to read the so second much. book um, because the next book that's coming out is about her and the Navy SEAL guy. Is it out now? The Navy SEAL guy, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a marriage of convenience as well, which is also one of my favorite. Tra- yeah, I was, when she when she just said to the Navy SEAL, because obviously I didn't have it. They mm-hmm. didn't tell me that in the audiobook. Um, but when when she just said the Navy SEAL, I was like, how are you going to make me like him? Because I, I don't right now. I agree with that, and so now I want to know. Yeah. Now I want to know. I wanted to smack him. Yeah, real hard. I. I do love Natalie so, so much as a character in and of herself because she's just, she's she's kind of like a version of Hallie um, with just like a ball of energy, but she comes from the like, oh, I just completely fucked up my life and now we're going to continue down that train by getting drunk all day. I do think that Natalie used to be a lot more like Hallie. She was a lot more carefree and everything. Mm-hmm. And then... After the fire happened, she, like, they always say that she, like, buckled down and everything, but I think she just kind of went introspective and didn't know what else to do. Well, there's a throwaway line from her mom. Um, It, like, literally it's only mentioned in one line that she went to rehab. Yeah. Yep. They sent her to rehab when she was, like, 14. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Which, I mean, she lived on a vineyard, so, I mean. Also true. I... The other thing I like about her is as far as like the plot and Julian's growth is, is because Natalie gives him a reason other than Hallie to change who he is and to grow as a character. Yeah. Which I really enjoy because sometimes I don't like it in books when it's like just one person, your love interest is the one who changes your entire perspective on life um, because then it becomes too like Twilighty. So. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. So having Natalie there really helped and also gave him to me like a solid reason to change because it's your sister. Mm-hmm. Well, and also his mother. True. He had, I, I did really like that he had multiple reasons why he was changing, why he was learning. His mother was in trouble and was kind of uh, masking it. She didn't want other people mm-hmm. to know. And so like all she needed to do was ask him, but she wouldn't do it because apparently their family are a bunch of prideful assholes. Um, I guess I didn't really see them as assholes. I just thought they, there's a type of introversion that happens where you're basically an island and the longer you continue on as an island, the larger the ocean in between islands. That's me right here. Yeah. I, I do don't ask too. for help. Same. So. Yeah. Agreed. I, 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 I see that because yeah, she yeah. just fully won't ask for help and he won't ask for help. Although I, he, for a part of the time, he doesn't seem to realize that he needs it. Oh no. Even after, yeah, yeah. even after like straight up admitting that he is taking this break from school to write his book because of what happens to Gavin and he doesn't want to end up in that same situation, having a, a breakdown um, he, he still doesn't seem to get the, well, you just replaced one work with another work. Yeah. Like you're not really taking a break here. Mm-hmm. That. Okay. Can we talk about her best friend? Yes. Because I freaking love Lavinia. She cracks me up and her husband kind of cracks me up because <laughs> he's just, he's kind of always just in the background with an air of, oh, they're up to their shit again. And it cracks, it makes me laugh my ass off. I do love Lavinia a lot. Um, she has the classic best friend attitude of like, this is a bad idea, but as your best friend, I gotta go along with it. I gotta be supportive. <laughs> well, and they were wasted when first comes up with the idea for the the secret admirer notes and everything. Mm-hmm. And that she goes rogue on. Like Lavinia talked her out of it. 
And then on the way home, she goes rogue and stops and gets stationary and writes it in the fucking back of an Uber with love the Uber it. guy also telling her it's a bad idea. I actually love the Uber guy and was kind of disappointed that he didn't come back. Like, I just kept imagining the idea of him continuously dropping her off and going, no, this isn't, this isn't healthy. You need to stop. This isn't healthy. Oh my god, that actually would have been a really funny... Um, I understand this book probably didn't need more, like, didn't need more scenes, or maybe she, maybe Tessa Bailey wrote it and then got cut out, but that would have been just an amazing, like, continuous thing where this Gary the Uber guy just keeps showing up, like, all right, tell me what, tell me how it went. Right? Like, how did she get out there to go get the letter? I can only assume that it was Gary the Uber guy who showed up. Right. Well, and it's a small town, so a a town that small might not have a lot of people. It'd be pretty, like, realistic for the same uber guy to keep showing up yeah yes (laughs) i do love when she like she has the realization in front of him that she sent the that she took the letter out and she's like he's like what's the matter and she's like my uber i i took an uber last night and i forgot to tip him it's like you can just tip later she's like yes yes i can you are right i will do that (laughs) (laughs) and she's having like an internal panic (laughs) and then she has to go to lavinia and be like I wrote the letter. What? Well, wasn't it that Lavinia then helped her either write or, like, put the next letter in there? She's like, well, you've gone down this dumb, dumb, dumb idea. Guess we're doing that. They went to steal steal it back. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. She went with her a couple of times. I think they went to try to take it back, and it was already gone. And then the, like, last one... I do like her husband because I just imagine him constantly like having one ear turned to hear the tea. Like he's acting like he doesn't want to hear it. And he's like, no, no, don't get my wife into trouble. But also he's like, but spill it, girl. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he he wants to know it, but he like he doesn't even need to because Lavinia tells him fucking everything. Oh, for sure. Well, especially because Lavinia said that she and Jerome, I believe is his yes. name. Yep. Uh, make we're making bets on what Hallie would do, or like, mm-hmm. oh, did you kiss him tonight? Damn it! Jerome on the bet. <laughs> yeah, that kind of shit. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. that feels right. That feels right. Because well, and he's also an ex cop, and so it's LAPD. Like, even. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you are a nosy bitch mm-hmm. on the inside. Like, you don't want to seem outwardly that way, but you have the very like outgoing british wife Mm -hmm. who owns a donut shop all right so i i have come to a realization that i love small town romances and well you'd think as somebody who grew up in a small town like my graduation class was 35 or something like that so like small town that i would hate them because why be reminded of my small town and also nothing in these books is reminiscent of any small town I've ever known. And I think that's why I like it is because it's a fucking like contemporary fantasy because no small town I've ever read of is real. They're not like that. No. I guess, you know, to be fair, I didn't grow up in a touristy small town. So maybe there's a different vibe there. But I will say there is a big difference between Midwest small town and probably coast-ish or east coast west coast small towns i i guess i just i like the um just complete ridiculousness of a small town that like especially when somebody new moves in um which isn't in this book but like somebody brand new and within like a week they already have all of these friends i'm like that's not how that works nay nay you're the outsider at that point still i can't sneak speak to the small town experience I did not grow up in a small town, but my parents are both from very extremely small towns and I had the lovely experience of like going into that small town and apparently looking a great deal like my mother did when she was younger and then having old biddies like hold my face. No, it's true. There were certainly not enough old biddies for this to be believable as a a small town. But also anybody who's ever lived in a small town, even for a small amount of time, knows that one of the, the like hallmarks of being in a small town is that everyone knows everything about everybody and so you're gonna tell me that no one's seen her sneaking around depositing these letters (laughs) like uh, that's something that definitely could have been played for comedy and it would have been really fun and I feel like once again is this missed opportunity and it's kind of the thing that takes me out of this being a really a small town environment because like I said, that 
anybody who's lived in a small town just knows that to be true. Well, and also would have given, I think, a, a bigger conflict between Hallie and Julian if, like, it somehow collapsed or if, like, it collapsed because Natalie found out and mm-hmm. she was like, I have to, I don't want to tell Julian, but I need I to talk to you about it. And, like, pulls Hallie aside and has, like, and has, like, those moments with her. I think, yeah, that could have been really interesting. Yeah. Well, and also you just, like, there there was never an aspect uh, in the small town of, like, you need to watch what you say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did not grow up in a small town. But even I know you need to watch what you fucking say to anybody in a small town because you don't know who's related to who. There are, so, like, there definitely could have been things going on with that small town aspect because, uh, like, uh, that's a big thing. Like, my parents have a house in um up by your guys's small town it's a different one but it's it's sadly it's smaller um and when we started going up there my mom was like danny you need to remember (laughs) that you can't say shit about anybody because everybody's fucking related and you don't know who's related to who i mean i'm not a gossip with i mean well with you bitches i will be but like Not up there, I wouldn't be or anything, and I don't generally talk about people behind their back anyway, but still, it was like, thanks for the warning, because I wouldn't have thought about it. Well, I mean, there is a way to gossip in a small town. It's just different. It's got a little little different seasoning to it. It goes a little something like this. Uh, you know, I've just really been worried about Danny lately. <laughs> oh, gosh, I know. Last night, I saw her when she was down at the grocery store, and I tell ya, her hair just looked a little bit... Maybe she needs to go see Carrie at the salon, is what I was thinking. Well, you know, I'm just not sure she's taking care of herself the way she should be, and... Okay, you know... first of all, fuck you both. My hair is delightful. <laughs> My hair is very soft (laughs) and gorgeous, but... (laughs) And you're just worried. Yeah, it's out of concern. Right. Unless it's with, like, people that you like, and then you're like, oh my god, did you see that? In closed doors, like, inside your house with the people you like. But you gotta know, because, like, you might be with the... Right now. (laughs) And that's fine. You can talk about Dennis and Janet, but you know that your best friend... uh, Janelle is best friends with Janet's younger sister, so you can't talk shit about it. Yeah. Like, like you have to, yeah. yeah. You have to very much know, which is why I don't talk about shit when I go up to that small town. Can I talk about one of my pet peeves? Mm-hmm. So, one of my pet peeves in current writing is this mentality of like said is dead, and it's where you don't say like, you know. Blah, 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 said Haley. Blah, 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 replied Julian. Because I get lost. Do you know how many times I'll be reading a book and I have to stop and go, who the fuck is talking right now? Well, it gets especially confusing when you have a whole bunch of people in the same room all having a conversation because it's like, who who said what to who? Like, I, I don't. But also it denies your readers the opportunity to really understand the way that something is being delivered because there's a really big difference between Liz shouted versus Liz stated right those those tell us really different things about the same statement mm-hmm. and I do think Tessa Bailey used some of the more colorful um, words uh, to talk about a person talking but definitely I don't think the word said was ever used and I can understand it's a bland word it doesn't give anything but well, and there was very much a time where it was overused sure. yeah but like don't kill it completely we do need it right. sometimes I also get super confused in audiobooks because I'm listening to a different book right now and it's in first person and so I can never tell when something is being said or when that character is just thinking it. Uh, and yeah. I don't know what's happening sometimes. I will say that guy we like, uh, Aiden Snow, or as I like to call him, Audiobook Daddy. Ooh, Audiobook Daddy. <laughs> Audiobook Daddy, yeah. Uh, does a pretty good job of 
making sure that the intonation is different when it's something that's being spoken versus something that's being thought. I like this. Can we just take it? He needs to be audiobook daddy he for forever now. <laughs> Guys, the, the expressions on their faces when I was like, no, but seriously, you need to listen to it. I just started the book. Because it started out from his point of view. And both of them were like, oh my. And I was like, yeah, I've been listening to this for hours. <laughs> oh man, oh man, oh man. Okay, we need to move away from audiobook daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this book. Let's sexy. talk about that ass. Oh yeah. I mean, that was like starting a storm. Literally. Starting a storm? Yeah, that was starting a storm in his life. If I never hear the the, the phrase storm in his loins again, it'll be too soon. I want a fucking t-shirt. Start the storm. Storm in his loins. No, no, no. I just wanted to say starting a storm and it will make no sense to anybody but us. A storm's a-ruin. Storms a-coming. Well, you could imagine the things they could do in a storm cellar. <laughs> Make those cheeks pop like thunder. Oh, <laughs> uh, gonna make it right up in here. Yeah. I, I did uh, quite enjoy the spice in this book. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ, you guys. <clears throat> this is why we're delightful. <laughs> we're delightful. We're delightful. So I gotta stop. <laughs> You know, this is like the third book I've read in just a couple of months where masturbation is like the thing where they're like, this is how we'll start the sexy time without actually starting the sexy time. Well, it makes sense. Like, Which you're, I appreciate. Right. Like a dream sequence or some sort of masturbation thing makes sense. I really enjoyed the mutual masturbation scene. Oh, I it was yeah. It was yeah. some of the other scenes. Oh, yeah. The, I, I was, again, driving. To a family event <laughs> when that happened and once again sitting with my hand on top of the car because apparently that's how I react to sexy scenes while I'm driving um but yeah I, it, it's intense mm-hmm. and the way he liked around the corner to her I'm like <laughs> uh I will say this Tessa Bailey is known for her sex scenes and her dirty talk I enjoyed her sexy scenes <laughs> his his like masturbation masturbatory fantasy as it were where he's like gotta change the tire on her car it was so funny it was well it was also that and then he would like self-edit inside his fantasy and i'm like this is hilarious (laughs) and wonderful right (laughs) wait no i just to be so that you know you're not paying for me to change the tire with this you want it right Right, this has to be you're consenting It's so funny. It's so funny. And again, I, I appreciate it. You know, he thinks about her needs, even in his masturbatory fantasy. <laughs> it felt very real, the idea of, like, having a fantasy and taking it maybe to a little bit of, like, the porno route mm-hmm. in your mind and then being like, nope, nope, that's too far. Okay, pull it back just a little bit. If we ask in the fantasy, <laughs> yes. if we ask, then it's okay. Yeah. It felt very real life. And, mm-hmm. not, and not because um, like, how many times have you been like trying to get in the mood and you're like, is that the lawnmower outside? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, get back into it. So he was lightly caressing my cheek. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. It's just your, like, look off into the distance. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I will say, you can definitely tell that Wiggles and I are single, and Liz is not. Yeah. You think I don't have fantasies? Oh, no, I know Pshaw. you have fantasies. It's Pshaw. just you have somebody to scratch that itch. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I did really enjoy the gag where he was like, do I really have to come out there and get you during the rainstorm yeah mm-hmm. i'm just going to get her i as a midwesterner i was both confused and understood having a rainstorm that's raining too hard for you to go home but also like 
my initial reaction was it's just a rainstorm you can drive home and then i was like okay but there are actually rainstorms you should not drive home in correct also they are not from the midwest they are from california there are other dangers in california that there aren't necessarily in the or we're just used to them more like what bears well no there are bears in the midwest I know. Well, in, in my mind, and this might help clarify some of your confusion there, is I pictured the road that they had to get on to get to the vineyard as being a gravel road. Oh, for sure. And as soon as it becomes muddy, it's a damn nightmare. That's not the podcast. Sex. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> well, I will also say, though, that Californians aren't used to rain as much as we are. Fair. That I think that's where I was going initially with that, but then lost my brain hole because it's getting late. And I just had an Ice Planets moment where I was like, "It's not that cold, bitch." Yeah, yeah no, yeah. <laughs> God, we're so Midwest sometimes. Oh my god, it shames me, and at the same time, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that's us." Oh yeah, totally. I um, interesting that, like, getting back to the sex. Please, yes, please, the sex. Yes. I did think it was interesting how long it took them to get to a fucking bed. Oh, yeah. It was like the last fucking couple of chapters they finally got there. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm finally in a nice bed, even though you've been, like, you mutually wanked off in in the same house. Well, it's not in because the same house, beds but... aren't always sexy. Correct. Sex, sex in the dirt, in the field. Gotta get them dirty knees or else he's not gonna get hard. I mean... I don't think that's true. I think he's getting hard constantly. <laughs> yeah. Sex in the in the other person's vineyard. Not even his vineyard. Another person's vineyard while there's a quote-unquote party going on. Well, and in your mind, which thing cleared the party out more? Uh, these two fucking and people figuring it out or Natalie and the Navy SEAL duking it out? Oh, I think it was Natalie and the Navy SEAL. Yeah. I, I think they got... Right. Also, the, the fact that know. the Navy SEAL's wine was terrible. Yeah, it was real bad, apparently. And I've had bad wine, so I can understand. I did really enjoy the dirty knees in the in the ground in her garden. That took me out as soon as he was like, get your knees in that dirt. Oh, get around. I, I was like, I'm like, yes, sir. Yeah. I think it's just because he's literally been staring at her, like, on her hands and knees for so long now while she's planting right outside his office window. Oh, I definitely understood the whole, like, this is fulfilling the fantasy of you're working outside and it's just so hot. So, like, you have to, you know, take your shirt off and or whatever. And then it and then he comes out and she's just like, oh, I'm working. And then they fuck. Right. Like, I mean, he literally described that fantasy. So I get it. But yeah. uh, I like the outside fucking, though. Yeah, oh, was, yeah. That was great. Plenty of outside fucking. I loved that. Well, and you love a gentleman who's willing to sacrifice his jacket for the cause. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'll get a rock in my ass. Yeah. yeah not oh. in my, like, the cheek, not I mean, up on I it. I mean, it depends, on the, <laughs> depends on the book, really. I mean, can you imagine walking around with a pebble in between your cheeks and you can't do nothing about it because you're in public? They go to the bathroom. <laughs> They were distracted. They were the <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then you'd have, oh, you'd have to sit in the car on the way home. Yeah, yeah. Just wiggling your ass around. Out your ass right in front of your new boyfriend? No. <laughs> uh, no, you sacrifice. You're gonna. No, no, I don't have you a lot of shame it. anymore. Well, you got to have a solid, well, there's a different level, right? There's like a, we've been dating for about a year, two years when you say, um, I got a rock. Uh, that I need to go deal with from our sexy times and you walk away. Married year two is like, oh my God, like just right in front of them. Look at this rock I pull out of my ass. (laughs) Um, So now that we're talking about the sex, which means we're talking about the like relationship, what did you guys think of the relationship or how it ended or how it got there? Um, I really, I liked it. It was going really well and then it got really lame if that makes any kind of sense yeah yeah and like it was on this upper trajectory and everything was going good and it was like okay 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 we're getting to the top of the roller coaster and then he goes into this like dissociative state writing his book and when he comes out of it suddenly he like wants to do this grand gesture and i gotta ask like what did you guys think about the grand gesture it would drive me fucking nuts like she she planted an amazing thing outside his house and he's like letting people destroy it by just planting plants wherever they want to. Yeah. 
Yeah. The necklace thing I can okay I can be okay with, but like the planting anywhere, no. No. Yes, she's really willy-nilly about where she plants them and everything, but she does it with a purpose. To like right. she has an idea in mind. She just doesn't really like plan it out, plan it out. And so like, yeah, he, he just let people go plant flowers anywhere they fucking right. wanted on the vineyard and I'm like, "Sir, mm-hmm. no. Like she planted beautiful flower beds with purpose and you know filler and every like something i could never fucking do because i am the killer of plants i feel that and like i was like oh sir no like different grand gesture right it did feel it it, it just felt awkward like i don't know maybe break into her house and let me leave her secret admirer notes and all in her secret garden that was not a euphemism although it kind of sounded it sounded like a euphemism but she had an actual like kind of secret it's like her private yeah her private well and this is my psa to any man who might ever listen to this podcast workshop that grand gesture with her best friend he did though yeah he did and she was all she was there lavinia was like all in she like kidnapped her and he like kidnapped her (laughs) she like kidnapped her to bring her there so at the very least, she knew and had the opportunity to say no. So maybe it's one of those things where this character, Hallie, would like that. And obviously she did because she re- responded positively. But the three of us would have been like, so you think that you just, my flower bed? you think that me, a professional trained by a professional, um, is equivalent to just the random bitches who are here now? Well, and I wanted, I really wanted them to like tie it back into the secret admirer letters. Agree. Like, I think that could have been a sort of grand gesture, especially because he, like, dissociated so bad when she went to go collect her final letter, confessing that it was her and everything. And that that wasn't what set him off, but her, him thinking that she was in danger set him off, and that's why he dissociated for two weeks. Um, but I just think... I think they should have tied it in something with the secret admirer letters, you know, not necessarily sticking it in the stump because if she's, you know, in a funk, she's probably not going anywhere near that goddamn stump again. Burn it to the ground. Um, but like, or he pulls the stump up and puts it in her garden. That would have been cute. That would have been cute. That would have been cute. I'm rewriting the ending. He pulls the stump up, puts it in her garden and then sticks the secret admirer letter in it. Oh my god! And then for the like the rest of the relationship, they just leave each other notes yeah. in it. Yeah, that would have been fucking cute. Yeah, son of a bitch. God damn it! Sorry, Tess Bailey. <laughs> we did like the book. No, we did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, please. Any author out there, if you would like to call us to like workshop. Yeah, we're we're real happy to be that nuisance for you. And I'm going to say this uh, to any authors who are choosing to write a letter. If you're not sure what to put in said letters, you need to look no further than Persuasion by Jane Austen. Is it a classic? Yes. But also the way she, it's a well-placed letter. It's a well-timed letter. And the words are gorgeous. And is it from another time? Yes. But you could write a modern version of that. The whole point of having a letter is that you are writing something better than what they say out loud. Well, I think Julian's letter was better. Uh, uh, he kind of came out out of his funk and was able to say a lot of that at the end. But um, I do agree with you. The letters just, they needed to be more prominent. Yeah. Like the book Especially, is named after the concept. Yeah, like, There needed say, to be more. Because the book is called Secretly Yours, which is after the, the secret admirer letter. So uh, like there was three letters. Yes, that sounds right. Three and yeah. yeah, and so it's like uh, there should have been either more, or he should have figured it out initially. I really wish now that I, I'm I really want our stump idea to be the real thing. That would have been so cute. Pull up the stump, put it in her garden. What did you guys think of his book and how he? I mean, he was basically writing like an Indiana Jones esque book. Yeah, and the fact that he wrote it and it was bad. I love that he wrote it and it was bad. I agree. I thought that was a really good decision because like the reward that he had wanted at the end of it, like, yes, it was completed, but that wasn't, it wasn't good. 
So I thought that was a really good like way for him to change his perspective as well. Well, it also showed showed him his shortcomings because that's what he wants to be all along is this like absolutely perfect thing. And the fact of the matter is, is that nobody wants to read about the absolutely perfect person who's the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. They have no depth. Right. Like I said, they got no trauma. They got no trauma. And so <laughs> if you got no trauma, like it's a really fucking boring book. It's like, great. So yeah. he accomplished the thing that we, there was never any doubt that he... We thought he would, and so I really like that he had to come to the realization that, oh, it's really shitty. Mm-hmm. Also, that his sister gave him shit, and she's like, we'll talk about it later to try oh to help gosh. fix the book. Again, Natalie. <laughs> I fucking Wonderful. love her. Yeah, I haven't read anything other than just, like, the, the highlights I've seen of, like, It's a Marriage of Inconvenience. Um, I don't even know why she has to have a marriage of convenience, so... I, I am actually really intrigued. I have a theory. I think that bullshit dad is going to come back into the picture and say, oh, yeah, I'll help save the vineyard, but you got to get married and get your act together. Oh, it's a whole inheritance type yeah. thing. I hope he doesn't come back. Well, the way that they talked about it is that the dad, I don't remember his name or if they even told us, signed over the entire vineyard, so he shouldn't have a claim on it. Yeah. So unless it's a financial thing... Yeah, because he shouldn't be able to have anything with it because um, he completely gave it over to um, Julian's mother in the mm-hmm. divorce. Well, I think the way that he comes back into the picture is that they still can't pull it out financially. And he comes back and says, guess who has money? Daddy does. If he ever calls himself daddy, I'm going to punch him in the throat. <laughs> I realize it's an imaginary person, but I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... <laughs> that brings us to the end, yes? Yes. What are your ratings? Let's start at my favorite, The Spice. You know, I actually really like The Spices. I'm going to give it like a 3.5. That wasn't like uber super spicy, but like there was a lot of really good dirty talk in mm-hmm. that one. And the like prowling around the counter. I mean, there was a significant amount for a book like this. A lot of modern romance is not offering this much smut i would also agree with a 3.5 i think yeah the romance Uh, three i was also gonna say three wow we're in agreement we are oh my gosh (laughs) overall i actually gave it a four i really kind of enjoyed this this book and once again it made me lose my turns on driving I'll have to be the odd man out. I technically, on Goodreads, I technically gave it a three, but it is a 3.5. Okay. So, yeah. so. For me, it's really a 3.5, but I gave it a four, but still. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're essentially all the same. Yeah. <laughs> We've never been this so long. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We have not. I just, her sunshininess made me so happy. <laughs> um. Okay. So, that brings us to the end of the ratings, which means it's recommendation time. Okay, let's go. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just start writing things down and sliding them to you. (laughs) Um, so my recommendation is a movie called For a Good Time Call. I love that movie. It's so good. You would love it. Admittedly, some of it hasn't aged particularly well, but a lot of it still holds up because, you know, poverty. (laughs) And uh so the premise is that these two girls start like a, a sex line, that's sex talk line. I, I, I don't know what you call it. A phone line, like a sex, a phone, sex line. phone line. Okay. Anyway, so these two girls end up making this line work together and uh, are finding themselves starting to enjoy it and are actually starting to make a business out of it. And uh, it's going really well. And one of the things that I do really like about it and is the reason I'm recommending it now is because there's also another character in this story who is a late bloomer and it's not the person that you would expect. And so, um, yeah, it just, it's, she's the raunchy one. She's the one who instigates all of this. Um, and yeah, it's it just, uh, that's kind of a spoiler. Um, so we might need to cut that, uh, or we won't uh, just, Go watch the movie. It's a it's an old enough movie at this point that like, and it's not a major plot point. Yeah, it's it's there, it, but it, it's it, like it does add an element of interest. Yeah, ruined. I tell you. Ruined, Andre. Ruined. 
So I feel like we talked about, we already talked about love on the brain as a potential, like having some similarities. So that could be a good recommendation. Um, My, the easy recommendation is to say it happened one summer, which is also by Tessa Bailey. Um, But that one is a small town. It is about these two rich girls who have to move to a small town because they inherited from their late father, a like crumbling, dying bar, and they have to like build it back up. And the main character falls in love with a local fisherman. So it's it's got like some Shit's Creek vibes to it. Um, and I'm stealing that from I didn't I didn't claim it has Shit Creek's Shit's Creek's vibe from it. It I came from the world. Uh, <laughs> and then I will say, I know I have a bad habit of saying, I just read this and then recommending it at the end, but um that dumb book I just read, whose name I already forgot. Bless it all the hell. Uh, Book Lovers by Emily Henry, because that is also another small town romance. Um, It is more of like a rivals to lovers vibe. I do love that. (laughs) But it has one, the the main character is very much like everything is on schedule. Everything has to be perfect. We plan everything out, blah, blah, blah. So it's got some similar vibes to it as well. Perfect. I don't have one. I honestly that's don't. Okay. I don't know what else to. Well, folks, that's it for another episode of Looking for Love in All the Wrong Dust Jacket Jackets. Ho ho! If you liked this, go find us out on the socials um, on at Wrong Jackets or Wrong Dusk Jackets. Uh, mostly the latter on TikTok and Instagram. Those are their big places to find us. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you like. Uh, you can also go out to our website at wrongdustjackets.com. Find us out on all of the platforms. Give us five stars if you're feeling feeling nice today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.